Welcome to the Isle Podcast. I'm John Froze, a former state representative and state senator in the state of Michigan. And I'm David Rutledge, also a former representative in Michigan. Together, we've seen firsthand how the Isle separates one side from the other. The Isle can, in many instances, though, bring us together. Today, we will explore just how the Isle has influenced our leaders and public servants, Republicans and Democrats, elected and appointed. So join us in the aisle, where together we can deepen our understanding of the things that separate us and explore just how we can work together for the common good. David, it sure is great to be back with you. How are you? Hey, John, it's it's a good day on this end. I'm excited because we have a very special guest with us today. Looking forward to it. And I know that we've got some uh, um, some big issues to tackle, not the least of which is how does this aisle separate us and how does it bring us together? So, David, let's bring in our guest. Okay. Joining us today um, is is the leader of the uh, uh, minority party in, in the how on the House side, uh, Representative Donna Lesensky. Um Donna, welcome to the aisle. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here today and to have this opportunity to talk with both of you about my experience here in the Capitol. We'd like to start by by just asking about uh, about you. Give us a, a thumbnail bio sketch uh, of Donna Lesinski and include in there, if you will, what brought you to uh, to this idea of public service. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate the question. Um, And actually, you were there at uh, the beginnings of my public service uh, 15 or plus years ago. We we should not talk in years or decades. (laughs) As you as you move through life, um, I have had the the wonderful opportunity to have been uh, raised by parents who were very service focused and family focused. I grew up, uh, you know, teaching Bible school on Sundays, uh, visiting senior homes, doing doing the the local things um, that we all do in close communities. And so, when I had the opportunity, um, once I had uh, three sons, I'm the mother of three sons, uh, engaged in their schools, uh, had the opportunity to work professionally, to start my own company, and really looked at my community and started identifying what some of the needs were. I think, David, you and I and John, I'm sure, also share a passion for ensuring that children reach their potential. And so really looking at what it means to start school ready and prepared to learn. And David, that's where your and I's path crossed uh, in um, Success by Six and Early Childhood Collaboratives. And from they're really understanding how do you move the levers? How do you make sure that all children are cared for? And that's what led to my interest in public service at the state level. How are you able to combine that? Yeah, John Burroughs, I got to share with you, um, Lita Lasinski takes me back to an important time uh, Mm -hmm. because we were working around issues uh, for our most vulnerable and, and touching touching the future because we were working with children and and a number of organizations and the the effort was to try to bring those organizations under one umbrella so that they'd be more powerful in the work that they were doing for children 
And that's, that's how right. I met this leader. And thank you for bringing that up. John, I think you had a question and I cut yeah, you Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. We, we all uh, in our public service lives have had the chance to work with lots of local organizations. And, and in, in getting to know you a little bit, Donna, we've had the chance to understand a little bit of how, how yeah. the community work that you've done has been so important. But at the same time, you, you had founded your own company a company yes. that, as I understand, is still active in 38 states. Uh, give it a little explanation to that. I mean, it's not often that we have entrepreneurs serving also as minority leaders in the House of Representatives. You know, it all knits together. Um, and so I think uh, when I reflect on things, uh, and because both of you also have a history of starting um, the it's been really uh, important to me to reflect on how I came to service. So I'm a good Samaritan uh, kind of service provider looking out for my neighbor. And so I've really been able to understand that about myself. And so my company comes from the fact that my children attended a Title I elementary school. So an elementary school where a majority of the students uh, were on a free lunch program. That's the easiest way to define it. And really watching my three boys in their early years move through school and, and seeing kids who were working just as hard in school, really hardworking kids, but would come back and had slipped behind the next school year. Understanding that came from summer learning loss, and I pulled together, based on my professional experience as a management consultant, pulled together teams of teachers and educators and parents and kids and said, how can we keep you learning over the summer? Wrote a program. It was a hit in my Title I school, materially, measurably helped uh, children, turned it into a company, and as you stated, now it's across the nation helping kids in Title I and non-Title I schools and in tens and tens of thousands of students across the nation. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a gift that I was able to turn in, and I've, I've learned that when you're in it um, to make a difference, um, to make a living, not a killing, uh, you can grow very quickly and impact a lot of students' and families' lives. What did you learn from that experience that, that now benefits you as a leader in the legislature, a leader in your community, a leader in your family, a leader in the, in the entrepreneurial space and in the educational space? How did you translate those sorts of skills that you learned into what you have today in the legislative process? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the common thread through all of my work is really understanding that the most important thing that we do uh, as an entrepreneur, I couldn't have started my company without listening, listening to teachers, listening to students, listening to families about what they need and figuring out how to fix fix that problem. And that is a tie to being a legislator. It was a tie in my professional life as a management consultant, talking with the CEOs, talking with, with mid-level management, figuring out what's the disconnect, the problem, and the opportunity. And so being able to bring that to the state um, and having what I hope every legislator has tucked in their desk, which is my little card of the things that if I can accomplish this, I will be proud of the legacy I leave in Michigan. And when I stood with a bipartisan basis, um, with a bipartisan um, program, with Speaker Wentworth, uh, Senate Majority Leader Sir Shirky, the governor, myself, and Jim Ananick, and Senator, Senate um, Democratic Leader Ananick, and we were able to announce that we were creating 25,000 preschool slots that every child in Michigan now has the opportunity to go to preschool and to be ready to learn. We're going to build the classrooms, the curriculum. It's fully funded and it's fully funded over time. So we don't backslide. 
I checked one of those boxes that I thought I'd only be able to move the needle on. And that only happens when you work across the aisle. That's, and that's why we call that an aisle experience. Mm-hmm. But um, Lita Lisinski, um so much of public service now just seems to be negative. Yeah. Uh, what, what, do, what, do, what do we need to know? What does the average person need to know yeah. about your job on a day-to-day basis? You know, thank you. I really appreciate that question because it has materially changed. I'm in my sixth year. I'm term limited this year here in the house. And it has materially changed since I began six years ago. Um, I was able to be on Facebook and have conversations with people and dialogue on Facebook. Starting my second year in office is when things started to change. And I actually started uh, offering classes and seminars uh, when asked to speak as a legislator uh, at things like the municipal officials, um, MML and, and MAC, county officials and township officials, where I would go in and say, instead of giving a speech, I'd rather us have a conversation about how to conduct ourselves civilly. I believe to the depth of my bones that the language of leadership matters. Whether you're the leader in your family, as the mother of three sons, the way I talk is mimicked and that is how my children grow. The way I talk when I was on the school board, spoke when I was on the school school board, the way I speak on the floor and the way I speak in public matters. Um, when I just look, I can no longer be on Facebook um, personally. Uh, the, the names I've been called from places far and wide Look, there's words I didn't even know existed, quite frankly. There's combinations of words that I didn't know go together. Civility must return, but it only returns when we're willing to go there first, not last. How did we get to this place where uh, it seems that that hate is on the rise mm-hmm. and um, we can't move to uh, a space of of embracing one another uh, to get something done, uh, it seems that we seek uh, uh, power more than progress uh, yeah. for the general public. How yeah. do we? How do we bring about? Um, uh, get? How do we get to a place where we are more open to dialogue, more embracing of? of diversity and and inclusiveness and equity. How do we do it, uh, uh, Donna? So I really appreciate that question as well. And one of the blessings of my six years is that I represent a community that is, uh, when I started, you know, I won a squeaker by less than one or two points. Um, I represented a community with very diverse political views. And uh, the community itself isn't diverse. Um, It's homogeneous uh, in its racial uh, makeup. It's a little more diverse in its income makeup, but it's very diverse in its political makeup. And uh, my second race, I won by 20 points. And that only happens when people know that you are there to serve the community and you are there to listen and incorporate ideas together. 
And so one of the things, as I said, you know, I've given more talks on civility and how we can be more civil to each other. And one of, one of the scenarios I ask people to imagine is if I locked you in a closet and made you stay there for 12 hours and had everyone who had a different opinion or value set than then you just talk at you for 12 straight hours and there's nothing you could do. You had to listen. Would you come out of that closet with your core values changed? I haven't had anyone who said yes to that question. Mm-hmm. And so my plea with folks is to stop doing that. Don't try to change my core value. Instead, try to find the place where we meet and where we intersect. And where we often meet and intersect is around those base values of community, children, What is the common good that we're working towards? Our small businesses need to get product to market. We need to make sure that they have smooth roads to do that. Families need to have kids in schools that they're not worried about their children being there every day, either about what they're learning or about their physical safety. So what are the things that we, that we do and how do we come together around that? And so um, let's not question each other's core values. Let's find the places where we come together. Um, I was able to do that in my community. My community rewarded me for that. And I hope as a state and as a nation, we can start rewarding people for those kinds of efforts. Yeah, that is exactly where, uh, Representative, we we believe that the Isle podcast fits, is into that place where maybe we listen a little bit more Mm -hmm. and maybe we have the opportunity to understand a little bit more about who our leaders are. Uh, That was the thing that struck both David and me in our years of service was the knowledge that we had of wonderful people that we mm-hmm. served with that we may not have voted alike. And in fact, many cases yeah. did not vote alike, yeah. but amazing people. So I asked this question of you, how do you fill back up when you give so much as an elected official? What is it that helps to fill you yeah. back up so that you can get back to work again and maybe even be in that closet where, mm-hmm. where you're taking a beating, literally no matter which <laughs> yeah. side of the aisle you're on? Yeah, no, uh, quite frankly, yes. So, you know, it was not my desire to serve six years in the minority party. Um, I have been able to see really? a difference. Uh, Why would you not right. want to do exactly. that? Exactly. There's a shock. <laughs> uh, and I worked very hard for us not to. Uh, I tell you, I was in a little bit of a dark place uh, for a little while there after after some of our elections, but it has been, it has been, a, it has been a difference. I'll, I'll be frank, operating from an undivided government where you had the same political party and the gubernatorial, the house and the Senate control to divided government. And that has provided a lot of opportunity. And, you know, to your point about relationships, um, they're critical, but boy, in the house, we're turning over a third to half of our members every two years. I, if I'm very honest about this, there is a core group on the Republican side that I can, that I know, um, that I can have conversations with, but when you combine the pandemic with the turnover, it's been very, very difficult, um, combined with the political atmosphere to form a lot of the relationships that even, even under term limits, we were were able to do in the past that the pandemic just really slowed down that relationship building. Um, so for me, how do I fill back up? How do I get energy? Um, I am two things. Uh, one, I am a person while I am an extroverted person. I don't know that there's any politician or legislator who can honestly say they're not. Um, I do have to have quiet. Um, I do have to have reflection time. I do have to have time, um, in the woods, walking my dogs. <laughs> um, and I, uh, am very, very grateful, uh, that I truly enjoy my time with my husband 
and my sons. And uh, they are they are a true delight for me. And they are not um, particularly uh, political people. So when I'm with my family, I can truly be with my family. I think that's really smart. It, it brings one more question, David, that you and I talked about, and we debated whether I'd ask the question or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. All right. Yes. Uh, Minority Leader Lezinski, follow me on this one. What was it most recently that just caught you by surprise and brought a tear to your eye? Something that just completely caught you by surprise. Um, this came up in some conversations just today mm-hmm. with other members of the legislature, and it 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 was insightful. I'd be curious your thoughts on, on just exactly what's happened recently to you. Um, so... Uh, so my husband has, um, been there for me in ways we've been married and this is a terrible thing. Um, I cannot tell you how many years I'm not a date person. I actually (laughs) embarrassingly can't tell you if we were married on July 23rd and 94, July 24th and 93, something about how my brain works. Won't tell me what's right there. (laughs) Um, so I've missed our anniversary. However many years we've been married, I've actually only gotten it right less than two or three times. Um, but he's been by my side. Um, and I think he knocked more doors than I did in my first primary and election. Um, because you know, as a candidate, you have different demands. I was able to stand with my husband just last week, uh, for an honor he was receiving and, um, be there for him in a way, uh, that was significant to him that meant a lot to him. And, uh, that was a decision for me, whether or not I could accommodate that in my schedule and other people had to step up and give in order for me to be able to do that, uh, here in the legislature on both sides of the aisle. And, uh, they did that for me. And so both the opportunity to be by my husband's side, uh, while something very significant was happening for him and the way my colleagues on both sides of the aisle didn't take the moment to politicize that didn't take the moment, um, to try and harm me with that, but uh, allowed me the space to be with my husband in that moment uh, is something I'm very grateful for. That's the way. Thank you. The way you speak of that, you almost bring a tear to my eye (laughs) uh, because you talk about it and and we can feel the specialness of it to you. We both, all three of us know how much our families and children and spouses have given Mm -hmm. up over these years. And, um, yeah, it's important. I'd, I'd like to move back to uh, the legislature and the work that you do there. And, and we talked about several issues that you are passionate about, and we know that education is one of them. That's right. Uh, we also know that um, that economic development is one of mm-hmm. them. You started your own business. You know how to do that. Issues come up around the economy and the legislature. You understand it. You're going to be there. But there's another issue that, that, that caught my eye, and I'd like to ask if you, you would speak to it. Mm-hmm. And you wrote an op-ed back in February that, uh, to the Detroit News that, talk, that spoke to the need for transparency in, yeah. in the legislature. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd like to know what what prompted that, and I'd like you to, you know, kind of speak to our audience about mm-hmm. uh, the 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 need that you see uh, in yeah. government and why. <laughs> yeah. 
So, you know, the very first bill that I passed out of the House chamber on a unanimous basis, I've been able to pass it three times now. Actually, I gave it away this session um, to a, you know how we do this. I've passed it unanimously out with my name twice. I've got new members coming in and it was time to pass the torch. Uh, it has been around FOIA, the Legislative Open Records Act. And as a former school board member, look, we're dealing with students, student records, minor children, and we're able to, we were always able to operate in an open and transparent way. Opens Meeting Act, everything that we did there. It was a shock personally for me to come to the legislature and understand that I didn't have to do anything in the open other than press the green or red button on my desk. Other than that, the public has no access to uh, the work that I do other than what I allow. And as we've moved through and as we have had um, unfortunate incidents happen, both sides of the aisle, both sides of the dome in, in places and spaces, I still believe that it is critically important that we behave as other government entities do across the nation and within our own states and other levels and units of government. And that to me is critical, has been, and it's a place that I stand. Yes. Could you, could you, um, we talk about legacy and, and, and I, you know, I don't know about John, but I'm getting to the space where I think about that a lot. Don't know how many years I've got left. <laughs> days or months I may have left. But, but uh, Lita Lasinski, what, what would you like said about you? Um, if if uh, someone says this is uh, Lita Lasinski's legacy here, mm -hmm. she was in a space in the legislature, you know, for six years, uh, you know, uh, done other amazing things in her community. Uh, What's her legacy? So for me, I have always tried, and I hope my legacy is that I stayed focused on the future and the future of our children, the future of our working families, hardworking families today, and tried to build a state that offered the best and brightest potential future for every resident in our state. And so that list that's in my desk, that list that's in my desk is kids starting ready to learn because a kid who starts behind really runs, ends up ahead. When they're learning, they're reaching their potential, whatever that may be. We're not here to define that, whatever that future may be. And that for those of us who are in the struggle right now, we have every opportunity to start the business, to get to work on time, to have the job that allows us to provide for our families. I hope my legacy is I helped build a better future for Michiganders. Thank you. So with that legacy, which is a beautiful effort uh, and a difficult one, uh, you've, yeah. you've, you've expressed that in our conversation today. And as you begin to look at the end of this term, mm -hmm. which would be the end of the six years that you've served, um, two questions. One, how has the aisle separated the opportunities for you to accomplish that mm -hmm. list? And then number two, how have you used the aisle and the experience you now have to develop the relationships 
to actually begin to accomplish that. And you mentioned that, in fact, one of those has been knocked off the list been with early childhood list. education. Yeah. So for me, um, and I don't, I don't know that this is important to everyone, but for me, it's always been important that it gets done. So I like to say also um, that I understand from serving in the minority position that my fingerprints will be all over everything and my name will be on nothing. And that is something that I am comfortable with. And, and so as I look, there's one more really big thing left on my list. Um, I have shook hands with many Republicans on both sides of the dome. I am shaking hands with former um, leaders on, of both parties outside influencers. And I understand if I can check this, this next big box, my fingerprints will be all over it and my name will be nowhere. And that is okay with me. Yes. Yes. And so as you look to the future, where will we see former representative and minority leader Donna Lisinski uh, <laughs> serving the public in the future? Because it sounds to me like that community public service is not going anywhere from your heart and in, your, yeah. and in the hands that you work with. So it's not, and it's, it's it's fascinating for me, I'll be frank. I'm going to be 54 years old, just about on election day. I think I've got one more big pivot in me. So you remember I, that, but you don't remember your I know, anniversary. Trust me, I know how old I am. Um, so, um, so I... Um, when I talk to young women uh, in particular, I say, you know, I, I say, you can have everything. You just can't have it all at once. Um, you know, my career has been, I reinvent myself about every seven years, you know, management consulting. I was a stay-at-home mom uh, when I had my three boys in rapid succession. I joke, I had someone in me or was feeding somebody for seven years. And, you know, I started my own company, did community service, built a path to the, you know, became a legislator. I kind of joke, my husband really doesn't like this one as much, but I choose to exercise my seven-year itch professionally instead of personally, um, and he is grateful for that. Um, so I don't know. I am flying without a net, but I'm not flying without a safety net. I have built so many wonderful relationships here. I have my business relationships. I have my Lansing relationships. I have my community relationships. I'm looking forward to January to taking a moment to breathe and sorting it all out. I'm definitely not going away. Um, but I found, uh, in my life, I need to be inspired by the next thing, inspired to start my company, inspired to be a legislator. I truly believe it will present itself. I will know it when I see it. Um, but for right now, I'm very focused on the work that I'm doing here right up through December 31st in my community. And I'll worry about it in January. What advice would you give uh, to our listeners uh, and those who are viewing this um, in, in terms of uh, just traveling the road of life? Uh, what's your mm -hmm. best advice? What advice were you given that mm -hmm. uh, that has informed your your walk? Yeah, thank you. Um, I had my middle son graduated from college about two weeks ago. Um, my youngest son is in his junior year and my oldest has been out for a couple years. So we've been having this conversation. I think we all remember how stressful it is as a young person to make some of those initial decisions. And what I keep telling them is the road is long. Mm -hmm. And it winds and it twists. And I think if you ask anyone honestly, at age 40, at age 50, at age 60, if the path of their life 
looks like what they thought they were going to set their path, set as their path, um, it just doesn't. And so for me, it, um, the advice that I talk about and that I know is I've been my best possible self when I've left myself open to open to the things that are in front of me. And I have never lost my curiosity to learn more about people and about the challenges we faced that we face. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, well, I'll tell you what representative and leader, Donna Lisinski, it is a, a true pleasure to have you join us today in the aisle, um, epitomizing, epitomizing really what, what David and I really want this to be, which is a chance to understand who you are as a person, who your colleagues are that join us in the aisle, mm-hmm. uh, and to use the aisle not like the Senate does and says you got to get out of it if you're not a senator, <laughs> but instead to work together and find solutions to those problems. If you were to close us out right now and say, man, you know what? I wish I wish I had told David and John this. What would that last thing be? You just have to get it off your chest. You're going to feel better about it. And you're going to walk away saying this is the best interview I've ever done. Oh, my. Um, I feel like I should close with a joke. I feel like I've been very, very serious. Um, and so I will tell you though, that, um, one of the things I'm going to cherish most about the legislature is the stories I can't tell for at least a decade. Those moments uh, when, um, a Republican colleague or a democratic colleague have truly let down their guard. And, uh, we've, uh, shared a moment of laughter together, typically over something that's just completely inappropriate uh, in the moment, but we found the humanity outside of the pressure chamber. And um, so with that, I'll share a quick brief one uh, from my very first term uh, is participating as a backup singer with Lieutenant Governor Brian Kelly, Sherry Gaydagnogo, Jeremy Moss, and assorted others um, who are much more talented than I am and enjoying the heck out of myself. <laughs> I had the opportunity. It is. I have to tell you, uh, there are some very funny stories, most of which cannot be told. Um, That's there was insane. there was one overnight session that I had the opportunity during the previous two previous administrations ago uh, that that there were stories that shall never be told, and it yeah. might have something to do with backflips in the caucus room amongst Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, it was it was it was an extraordinary experience. This is what I'm saying. Those are the moments we cherish and those are the moments honestly that bond us across the aisle because we have a shared experience that we won't share. <laughs> Absolutely. You got it. Well, this has been so special. I mean, it's been touching for me uh, to just renew the, the linkage uh, that that started for us uh, so many years ago. And it's been special to have you in the aisle. Good. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for the aisle podcast. If you like today's discussion, be sure to like, subscribe, and share the IELTS podcast on Facebook, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcast. You can also find us at theislepodcast.com. So step into the aisle and make a difference in your life, just like our guest today. And we'll see you in the aisle.